Sorry about that. <laughs> I'll start again. That's all right. Was that Mama Porter? That was Mum Porter, yeah. <laughs> Making a cheeky cameo. <laughs> yeah, I totally forgot a laptop was just here. Welcome back to Not Another Science Podcast. I'm Tom. And I'm Helena. If you're missing that beautiful leafy content since the end of Aaron's excellent Plants in Our Health series, never fear. In a special bonus episode of the podcast, we're keeping up with the nature and wildlife theme and learning all about the Dawn Chorus with conservationist, naturalist and photographer Ben Porter. The Dawn Chorus is that lovely time in spring where the birds rise with the sun to sing their little hearts out. This spring, Ben, along with Lucy Hodson, aka Lucy Lapwing, Nina Constable and Indy Green are running a project for people to make their own DIY parabolic reflectors, a device for recording bird sounds. On May 2nd, which is International Dawn Chorus Day, the plan is for as many people as possible to head out in their local areas to record the Dawn Chorus with their makeshift parabolic reflectors. Nina will then piece the audio clips together into a Dawn Orchestra of birdsong across the country to be released alongside an accompanying piece about the plant pot parabolic reflector in Nina Constable's spring special of her award-winning Wild World film series. I recently spoke to Ben about the Dawn Chorus and his revolutionary DIY parabolic reflector and about how people can get involved with the project with their very own recording. So let's have a listen. Just before we start, this podcast is sponsored by GrinoBio One, supplying laboratory, diagnostic and medical products to research institutions, higher education, the NHS and others across the UK. For details of the full product range, visit www.gbo.com. And now on with the show. Hi Tom. Yeah, so yeah, my my name is Ben Porter. I'm based in North Wales. Originally come from Conway in North Wales, and spent sort of half my life on a on a small wind battered island off the coast called Bardsey Island, or unessentially in Welsh. And I guess that's primarily where my sort of love of nature and wildlife photography and pretty much everything else in that in that area of things came from to be honest I was homeschooled on the island there by my parents whilst we were living there and uh, just spent all my spare time out about what you know watching the wildlife taking pictures and helping out with the work of the bird observatory on the island sort of monitoring species and things that sounds sounds idyllic <laughs> well it sounds idyllic yeah if you t- <laughs> If I if I was to talk to you like two months into a winter on Bardsey when you've got no one else around and it's uh, it's battering you with gale after gale it's, it's it it seems a little bit less idyllic but then when you're sat out the front of the house midsummer with you know just bright sunshine and not a not, yeah that's a different story. <laughs> so yeah, basically for this episode we're talking about the dawn chorus, why it happens, some common examples and uh, some projects that you've been working on, but. What what is it? What's going on there? Why at this time of year are birds just kind of just kicking off in the morning? I don't know if you've heard much up your way. I mean, obviously the the sort of harsh northerly winds this last couple of weeks have put a little bit of a stop to things. But nevertheless, yeah, if you were to rise five or six a.m. right now, there would just be a cacophony of bird song. Now it's it's pretty awesome, and it's just that whole mix of species all together in that concentrated period. It can be a bit daunting trying to think, okay, what on earth is going on here? You know, you just got this wall of sound, basically. Loads of different birds sing, and there is this concentrated period in the morning, which obviously we call the dawn chorus. There's a few different reasons 
One of those is partly to do with the nature of the air at that time of day. So like Mm. early in the morning, generally the air is quite still. There's quite a cold band of air that's sort of settled over the land and sound actually transmits through this still cold band of air. Like I can't, I can't remember the exact figure, but it's something crazy surprising, like 10 or 20 times more effectively than when you get to midday, when there's this heat beginning to come up in the landscape and a bit of wind coming in, all of these sort of uh, environmental disruptions that start to break up that effectiveness of communication, essentially. Some people think that's like one of the main reasons really is that actually because of the conditions at that time of day, the broadcast and the energy you're putting into that song is is actually you know more mm. because it can travel a lot further. The second reason is in terms of males trying to because the purpose obviously of this at, at the end of the day is they're proclaiming you know this is my territory or trying mm. to attract a mate they're trying to broadcast their fitness yeah. by having this really loud song early in the morning they're basically saying look I've survived the night you know I'm really strong I'm really fun, you know singing open for business yeah literally exactly and at that time of day after the night as well they're trying to get that sort of message across of their fitness and strength mm. really there's so much that has to happen within this really small window of the spring you know they need to attract a mate they need to build a nest and, you know, lay their clutch and raise it. So I guess it kind of makes sense for it to happen at this time of year when food is starting to become available. Exactly. In terms of the timing within the spring of the dawn chorus as well, you know, everything, a lot of the resident birds will have started singing in the mornings from sort of March, you know, early April time already. And then you gradually get yeah. layers added onto this dawn chorus as more migrants arrive from South South Europe and Sub-Saharan mm. Africa. Um, and then it reaches a crescendo around sort of early May, really, which is why you have International Dawn Chorus Day on the 2nd of May. And then once everything's obviously paired up, their territory is more or less sort of set. You know, their focus is then on obviously breeding, feeding chicks then. And th- so you gradually have this sort of, you know, leveling <laughs> off of the curve as it starts to quieten down really towards the end of the breeding season. And I guess it's, uh, it's just an excellent time to get into bird watching if anyone's thinking about it. That's it. I think it's such a, an incredible experience for people who maybe are just getting into birding for the first time. If you can go, because you get this, you know, in urban areas as well, you go to a park, even your garden, rural, suburban areas, and everywhere you have the dawn chorus. I know last year, it was such a powerful thing through lockdown. So many people who had never really maybe stopped and just taken the time to appreciate this were forced to. And so what you had, you know, with the self-isolating bird club that was um, launched last spring on Facebook and things, what you had was just this lovely community, you know, sort of sharing that and learning from each other. We'll be kind of getting on to how people can get more involved with the project that you're running. But for now, I thought we could go through some of the, the common birds that you can go out and hear in the Dawn Chorus. Myself and uh, Lucy Hodson, who goes by the name of Lucy Lapwin, we've been doing these bird songs, short snippets, bird song ID videos since like literally early January, trying to feature one species sort of pretty much every week. And that, I think, is a really good way to just start all the way back there, just really get to grips with just one or two or three so that when it comes to this time, you can pick out those one or two in amongst the medley of other species. I've got four or five species we'll see how many we get through here and i'll just play 
their songs. They're quite common garden birds. I'll start with a fairly simple one. So this one is the great tits. So the song of this is just this two syllabic song that I think sounds a bit like teacher, teacher, teacher. And it just repeats these two notes really consistently and just has that repetitive song structure. So it's just got teacher, teacher, teacher. And again, this species starts up, you know, sort of January, February time singing. And it's a really distinctive one to hear. Such a characteristic sound of sort of woodlands, gardens, parks. And... I mean, the great tits renowned for being able to throw in all sorts of different sort of mimicry and, and calls. But the thing is, it sort of produces those in completely separate little phrases and stuff. You know, they've got repertoires of 70 or 80 different notes. All right, let's hear number two. That species is probably one of my favourite songs, to be honest. It's the blackbird. Something about that song, you know, it's just just these liquid notes, quite a deep, melodic verse. And what you probably notice there is the pauses in between those phrases, those little snippets of song were quite, quite long. It has, you know, it has a rhythm to it, doesn't it? It has, you know, maybe four or five seconds of that song, that, that warbling tune, and then it pauses, and then it's got a little bit more... And I've heard this described as, you know, sort of like an old man whistling away sort of aimlessly. It doesn't really have a proper structure to it as such. It's just sort of very slow, melodic, warbling away. And it's it starts up usually like the earliest in the in the day. So you'll hear this as like the first songster really of the dawn chorus, probably when it's still dark a lot of the time. And then you also get them singing at dusk, which is quite unusual. You know, you don't tend to get a, a repeat of, of many species singing, but blackbirds particularly start singing again at dusk. So this one is superficially a little bit similar to the blackbird. Um, have a listen and see what you think. was the robin so again you know this is a really common garden bird but i think it is really good to start with the basics and it's a beautiful song this sort of structure to it is quite similar to the blackbird so it's got these warbling notes you know sort of four or five second chunks and then a bit of a pause and then it continues and it's slightly higher pitched and i think sweeter sounding it's not quite as deep and melodic it's got this sort of sweeter slightly higher pitched sound to it and they'll often produce them from quite exposed quite high perches on bushes and things so you often see them as well um and this is one that people can start hearing from november december you know through the winter months because you get overwintering birds defending territories this one is a, a really distinctive one
I think I was stood there for four minutes with my plant pot parabolic just recording that one. And uh, it can be ear-splittingly loud at times as well. So that's the song throw. There were a couple of sneaky species. I get, it's really hard to isolate species once you get into the, the dawn chorus. There were a couple of others in there you probably noticed. There was a dunnock singing, um, and I think there might have been a robin at some point, just trying to confuse you a bit. But the gist of that is you've got these phrases that are produced in short, repetitive groupings. So the song thrush has like this amazing song structure where it'll just have this one note and it'll do it like four or five times. So you'll have like a did-it, and then there'll be a pause and then it'll have another note, peep that three or four times. So then it'll go boo, 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 boo. And then there'll be another pause and then it can just, it just keeps on doing this. Occasionally, you know, individual birds will often come back to a bass repertoire of like 10 or 11 different sets of these notes that they'll sort of move through. But they can also just continue like improvising and mimicking different species. But you've got that really clear structure of one note repeated four or five times, then a gap, then repeat a different note. And that you've got to get your eye more for the structure, less the actual specific sounds that it's producing. And then, yeah, just the last one is one that's just arriving back at the moment. It's um, it's really hard to try and pick those out. There's a couple of different species singing away there, but you might have heard the chiff-chaff in the background there. And then there's two species in there. The other one was the willow warbler. Um, which has this descending song. It starts with quite a high pitch and ends in this. I almost picture it as being like a cascading river. It goes. It's absolutely a beautiful song. Yeah, what are spring just now with these species out and about singing away? It's it's hard not to be uplifted by it, really. Do you have any tips for kind of people who are trying to learn some bird song, maybe get a little bit into bird watching this spring? What kind of what kind of advice would you have? I think getting out and trying to. Get to grips with just, you know, just a handful of species. Start with some of the common ones that you find in your garden on your doorstep and try and get to grips with just a few. And similarly for the songs and for the sounds, just try and start with a few. And then when you start going out and about and you can start recognising those ones, then you'll start picking up the ones that are a little bit different that, are you know, you're not quite sure of. I'll definitely be recommending that people try making a plant pot parabolic because then, you know, you can capture some of these songs sounds and you can record them in the power now obviously of having your own recording device with you wherever you are you know you've got your smartphone they're primarily audio devices really because we use them you know for talking through and so their microphones are generally pretty pretty good well i was just going to say it's it feels like you've uh, you've started somewhat of a revolution in the diy parabolic space <laughs> um well what's the story behind that yeah, I, I was going to say, I hope the companies that produce actual parabolics aren't going to come a, come around and sue me. Like I was just <laughs> saying, you know, the smartphones have a pretty good audio recording device in them. And uh, last year, I, I started really getting much more into sort of sound recording and making short videos about soundscapes and trying to produce sort of educational resources of different species and things. And you know, I'd seen parabolic reflectors that basically, you know, they sort of concentrate the sound to a specific point, amplify it, and, uh, you know, you get much louder recordings. And I can't remember exactly when or how. I just thought, oh, you know, I had this plant pot lying around that, that well, I didn't actually. I nicked it off my mum. But <laughs> um, we collectively had this plant pot lying around that I thought, you know, oh, well, 
why don't I just try making a sort of makeshift parabolic reflector out of that and sticking my phone inside at the base of it. I've been getting some quite nice recordings just using my phone. So then putting that inside the plant pot, attaching a handle and just sticking my headphones in the phone meant that I could just wander around and it worked. You know, I was so surprised how well it worked. Lucy Hodson, uh, Lucy Lapwing made one, I think it was January and uh, she's got a, a pretty massive following on social media. And uh, she was, again, she was really surprised, like, oh, why haven't I made one of these sooner? And then when she started posting about it as well, there really started to be this sort of alongside the birdsong um, ID lessons and things that we were sort of producing that um, there really started to be a lot more interest and started to see a lot more people, um, you know, having a crack at making them, different variations, different types. And it's just sort of snowballed, really. It's, it's brilliant to see. <laughs> I love it because it's it's kind of like another way to engage with nature that's not just kind of like maybe looking through some binoculars or you know taking pictures it's it's just like a whole extra dimension to it really absolutely I always recommend like obviously you don't need anything to get out and appreciate birds obviously you know you can literally just wander out that's the beauty of nature it's so simple you don't need anything but because these are so such you know accessible readily accessible things you can literally use whatever's lying around you know the mixing bowl whatever flipping a wooden mixing spoon for the handle and everyone's pretty much got a smartphone so it's so simple to make one and you guys have a pretty exciting project kind of coming out of all this as well i wonder if you could uh, talk through that a little bit yeah, so yeah, we've got quite an exciting uh, project on the go at the moment um, with Nina Constable, who's a wildlife filmmaker from Cornwall, and then Lucy Hodson or Lucy Lapwing, and then Indy Green, who's a young naturalist based down in the New Forest, and also Sarah Dowling, who's an amazing artist that's uh, collaborated with us on this project. So basically, we've we've produced this idea and resources for the plant pot parabolic, where we want people to try making one and get out this spring, um, taking recordings of um, you know birdsong and sounds of nature around them. And this is all ahead of uh, International Dawn Chorus Day, which is on the second of May. And so we want to get people making parabolics and sort of using them in the lead up to then and then on international dawn chorus day on the 2nd of may we're wanting as many people as possible to get out on that day you know whenever they can and just tune in to the dawn chorus and try using these plant pot parabolics to get recordings and then nina is going to sort of compile all of these into a sort of dawn orchestra shortly afterwards which is going to accompany her upcoming Wild Worlds spring special sort of film. So she's been producing these amazing films each season, basically, since lockdown began, where there's small features from young know, naturalists, wildlife filmmakers who were sort of grounded, as it were, in the UK through lockdown. And she's made these seasonal episodes of the Wild World series, which have now won awards, actually. And so we're going to be doing a feature about the plant pot parabolic in the spring special of that episode. But the main like public participation in this is going to be getting people out, getting recordings and compiling that into a sort of yeah countrywide orchestra of the Dawn Chorus. If people want to kind of get involved with this, how can they find all the different resources that you're going to be putting out there? It's all quite accessible online. If they go to Nina Constable's website, it's got like all the details um, you need with a really beautifully illustrated DIY how-to sheet by Sarah Dowling. And on social media any of our channels you'll be able to find the information quite easily we would like if people can to send recordings in to nina at wildworld at ninaconstablemedia.co.uk probably the easiest way i completely forgot the easiest way why did i come to the easiest way 
the easiest way is to just post on social media and put the hashtag plant pot parabolic. That's the easiest way. Um, and then we'll, we'll find them that way, but also sending them in as well. Amazing. I'm, I'm very excited for this. I feel the, the plant pot parabolic is, is going to whole new heights. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I probably copyright it really, shouldn't I? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you need to button that quick. Cash in. <laughs> I think I missed a trick on that one. Huge thanks to Ben for taking the time to teach us about the Dawn Chorus and for providing the lovely recordings of the bird song that you heard during the episode. You can find Ben on Instagram at Ben Wild Images or on Twitter at Bardsey Ben. That's B A R D S E Y Ben. If you want to get involved with the project, have a go at making your own parabolic reflector using the wonderfully illustrated guide by Sarah Dowling. To feature in the Dawn Orchestra event on May 2nd, get out there, make a recording, and then simply share your results by tagging your posts with the hashtag plantpotparabolic. Or you can send your recordings and clips to wildworld at ninaconstablemedia.co.uk. You can also head to Nina's website for a how-to video and more information. And as usual, we'll put all the links in the show notes, as well as where to find Ben, Nina, Lucy, Indy, and Sarah on social media. This podcast is brought to you by the Edinburgh University Science Magazine. In each episode, we'll explore fascinating themes and ideas, talk to awesome researchers about their work, and find out about the science being done right here in Edinburgh. If you have any feedback for us, or if you'd like to get in touch with a question or suggestion, you can reach us on our Facebook page, Edinburgh University Science Media, or at our Twitter, at USCI. That's at E-U-S-C-I. You can also drop us an email at usci.podcast at gmail.com, and you can find the show notes and the latest issue of the magazine at usci.org.uk. If you'd like to be featured on the podcast, please get in touch and keep an eye on our social media for more information. This episode was produced by my partner in crime, Tom Edwick, and co-hosted by me, Helena Corden. The podcast manager is Alex Bailey. The podcast logo was designed by USAID chief editor, Apple Two, and the awesome podcast episode art was designed by Heather Jones, our social media and marketing genius. The intro and outro themes are edited from music by Kevin McLeod. Thanks so much for listening, and until next time, keep it science.